Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Podcast. My name is Andrew Frezza, and today we're going to be talking about Hall of Fame CrossFit coaches. And this topic is all about what makes a great coach in our industry. Who are the coaches that you can build your business and build your team around? And when we look at sports, what makes someone a Hall of Famer, the most defining characteristic of it, is that this is a person that was consistent for an extended period of time. Right? You're never going to be a Hall of Famer from a great game or a great week or even a great year or two. You have to do it over and over again for multiple years or many times multiple decades. So the idea for this podcast came from a recent Active Life podcast that I listened to, episode 133, uh, with Tom Sorosi from the Mad Lab School. And this is a coach at a, a gym, a CrossFit gym, the Mad Lab gym that is making in excess of $100,000 annually as a CrossFit coach and as a personal trainer. Um, And just a side note, if you guys don't listen to the Active Life podcast, I would highly recommend it. Um, They just released uh, my episode that I did with them that we recorded a few months back, but it's episode 140, and that was just released. But in this podcast with Tom, one of the questions that Dr. Sean asked him was, on a scale of one to 10, how do you operate as a coach each day? And again, this is a coach that's making six figures a year and has done that consistently. And his answer was, I'm a seven at all times. I don't get high, I don't get low. I could have just won the lottery and you wouldn't even know. Um, I show up as the same person every single day. And that was fascinating to me. I love that answer, especially as someone who's played baseball for 20 years of my life and can really relate to it. Um, and this is a guy that's making six figures a year. So I think we all want to to listen what he has to say and respect that answer uh, and give a lot of weight to it. So it got me thinking about how I show up as a coach, how our coaches show up each day, and how I want our coaches to show up each day, and then what makes a great coach within our industry. And one of the reasons I loved his answer so much is that we've seen this play out at CrossFit Palm Beach. We've had plenty of coaches that are those consistent sevens every single day. And then we've had a lot of coaches that have these huge swings in energy and personality and coaching ability, depending on what kind of day or week they're having in their personal lives, right? If they're a little bit tired, it's a different experience than if they slept good the night before. And with these coaches, what we tend to find is that they actually have more days where they're a nine or a 10 out of 10. They have even more great days than that coach who's a seven out of 10 uh, most of the time. But what we also find is that those coaches on their bad days are a three, a four, a five out of 10. And the implications on the business side when you're a three or four or five out of 10 is plain and simple, people will quit over that. People will stop coming to your gym based on a five out of 10 experience or below. Even people that are longtime members can can quit based off of that five out of 10 experience. So when we talk about the business side and who you wanna build your team around, it's really important that we get these seven out of 10 players. What's tricky about this though is that those coaches that are a 10 out of 10 on some days and a five out of 10 on others, is a lot of times they will generate some of the most positive feedback for you. A lot of your your vocal minority members will go out of your way out of their way to tell you that that coach did a phenomenal job and delivered them a 10 out of 10 experience. What's missing though is that these 
quiet majority that a lot of times when they have a bad experience, they don't say anything, are withholding a lot of stuff from you. And there's a lot of stuff that you're not hearing about that coach that people are not coming to that person's class anymore. They're quitting the gym because they don't like taking that coach's classes because they don't like those extreme highs and lows. And those three, four, five out of 10 days are enough, even just one or two of those days is enough to write that coach off forever and potentially write your gym off forever. So if you don't have this framework of looking for coaches that are a seven out of 10 consistently and do that every single day and they are never below a seven out of 10, you can actually get kind of confused into thinking that the coaches who are a 10 out of 10 some days and are a five out of 10 on others are your best coaches because those are the ones that are generating a lot of positive feedback um, because no one really raves about consistency, right? They never, they don't really rave about a consistent, consistently above average experience. They wait until it's a phenomenal experience. So you're going to get more of those positive feedbacks when someone raves about a particular class that they had, but they're not going to be as vocal when that experience is subpar. So I think that brings up a really good point, which is if you are that seven out of 10 coach, you still need to be striving to be an eight, nine, 10 out of 10 on a lot of days. It's not that, what's important is not that you're a seven out of 10 on every day, it's that you're never below a seven out of 10 on your bad days, right? And that's a key distinction because I think if we're only striving to be a seven out of 10 every single day, and we're not kind of pushing the boundaries, we're limiting our growth as a coach. Every single day, we need to be striving to be that 10 out of 10. And on our worst days, we're never less than a seven. But on our best days, we're still an eight, nine, or potentially a 10 out of 10. I mean, a 10 out of 10 should be really hard or nearly impossible to achieve. And an eight and a nine is probably more realistic of where we're going to fall because there's going to be mistakes that we make in a given class, no matter how hard we try, right? So it's really key that... We're, we're striving to be as good as we can be in any given class. We want to be that 10 out of 10, but that we're never letting ourselves fall below a 7 out of 10. And probably the best way to think about this is that your preparation should be a 10 out of 10 every day. Okay, so coming back to like the baseball example, in baseball, you can't control how many hits you're going to have that day. You can control your preparation. You can take hundreds of extra practice swings. You can eat well, you can sleep well the night before, you can get to bed on a good, at a good time and make sure that you're you know, giving yourself plenty of time to rest and recover, but you can't guarantee that you're going to get hits that day. I mean, you could hit the ball hard, the pitcher could just be on, and you could still go over four with a couple strikeouts. So it's really about, does our preparation look like a 10 out of 10 every single day so that even on our worst days, we're never below a 7 out of 10 in this experience, Okay. One of the mistakes that I made early on, and this is this is a framework I want you guys to add to this, which is the experience is not about us as coaches. And one of the mistakes I made when striving to be a 10 out of 10 in my early years as a coach is I thought the experience was about me instead of about this fitness and class experience that was happening before us, okay? So think about it like at a restaurant, right? At a restaurant, if you're a great server at a restaurant or if you're a great chef at a restaurant, you're still facilitating the experience that someone came for that's not about you. So most people are coming there to have really good food 
and they're coming here to spend quality time with people that they care about. And as a server or a chef or owner of a restaurant, you're trying to facilitate that great experience of food and spending quality time with family and friends. And a great server will be on the ball without intruding into that experience, right? So the flip side is you're complacent, you're not you're not good at taking their order, you forget their order, you bring out the wrong food, it's not timely, it's not hot, um, something tastes bad, you're not refilling drinks on time. So that's kind of the complacent side of it. But there's also this side where you can be too overbearing and you're trying to make it so much about giving this person a great experience that you're actually taking away from the quality time that they're, they wanted to have with the people around them, the friends and family that they brought to that restaurant. So a really great server is has this balance, this fine line that they can tightrope where they are on the ball and they are they are facilitating this really great experience, but they are not the experience themselves and they're not getting in the way of the experience that you came to have. Okay, another way of thinking this probably a more, uh, another example, just a different example would be um, in sports, think about like a referee in a, in a game, right? A referee is facilitating that game. You, if you come away with a, from a game and a referee did a really, really good job, very rarely will you say, man, the refereeing was so good that night. What you'll usually say is that was a great game right? It was just a phenomenal game to watch because the referee didn't get in the way, right? And that's kind of what we want to be thinking about with being a coach on the floor. I think our job is a little bit more like the server than the referee, but that's how we want to be thinking about it. And one of the mistakes I made early on was thinking it was too much about me. And I would spend a lot of time trying to display my knowledge as a coach. And what this, what happened was there was a lot of downtime in class. There's a lot of time where people are just passive listeners in class instead of being there socializing, doing stuff, getting the experience that they really came for, okay? So there's this balance there of we're, we're, we're never letting ourselves below a seven out of 10, even on our worst days. Our preparation is always striving towards that 10 out of 10. But as we're striving towards that 10 out of 10, we're still having to realize that the experience is about the fitness and class experience and not about us delivering this theater up in front of people as a coach. And when we think about the coach being the facilitator of the experience rather than the experience itself, we realize that as a coach, we can actually be a seven out of 10 and a member can still have a nine or 10 out of 10 experience. Meaning if the programming is really good that day, the lesson plan is really dialed in, it's well balanced, your community and the people in class are really alive, they're full of energy, they're socializing, then you as the coach could actually be a seven out of 10, but the experience for the, the 20 members in that class could be a nine or 10 out of 10, right? Because we as the coaches are not the experience, we again are the facilitators of that experience. If you're a gym owner and you have people on your staff that have those big highs and lows, 
have a conversation with them about the value of showing up more consistently each day and putting more preparation into each and every class and talk about the implications about those days of when they are a three or four or five out of 10 and how that impacts the business and potentially their place in your business long term. And when you're hiring, look for more of those people that are gonna be that seven out of 10 consistently rather than be the best coach you have on their best days, but one of the worst coaches you have on their worst days. All right, hope this episode was helpful for you guys. Feel free to reach out as always, andrew at crossfitpalmbeach.com and we'll talk to you soon.